You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter number 50, Genesis 50, and we'll begin reading in verse number 15. If you find your place there, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Genesis chapter number 50, beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Thank you. You may be seated. And we are getting close to finishing our series on the life of Joseph. We started a long time ago, back at the beginning of the year. We took a break for a while, and now we're getting back and uh, wrapping it up here in the next couple weeks. Uh, I hope the life of Joseph has been a blessing to you. I would say the life of Joseph is uh, probably one of my favorite studies in the Bible. I love the, the character Joseph. I love uh, Daniel also, but uh, there's just something about Joseph that it just seems like God uses to encourage you in every area of life. You may be, you've been wronged. Well, guess what? Joseph will show you how to, how to deal with that wrong. Uh, maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're just trying to wait on God. And maybe it seems like God's never going to answer or God's never going to come through. Well, guess what? He will come through. You can trust him. And he came through for Joseph. And maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like everybody's against you. I hope you don't feel like that, especially at church. But I'll tell you, Joseph had everybody against him too, but uh, he came out on the winning side because he had God on his side. And uh, I hope that this, uh, these lessons have been a help and a blessing to you. I don't know if we'll get to the end of the chapter that Brother Dan uh, read for us. I gave him that scripture and that I'm hoping to get there. We'll see how we do. But I want to pick up in verse number one, and I want us to see some lessons today, some lessons that we can learn from the end or the last days of Joseph. You know, some people start off really well. I think we've all known people like that, maybe in a, a family, maybe in a business, maybe in a church or a ministry, and they do really well for a while. And then at the end, it's almost like they fizzle. I don't know if they just get discouraged or they get tired. But you know, I don't want to just start something well. I want to finish something well. And I hope that's your desire. I hope you're here today saying, I want to finish. I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, I don't want people to look back on my life and say, you know, 
uh, Jeremy, he, he did pretty good for a while. He did good for the first 20 or 30 years of his life or ministry. But you know, at the end, he kind of fizzled. Well, I want to give it all I've got. I want to finish strong. And you say, well, but pastor, we don't know when we're going to finish. You're right. We don't know. We don't know the day of our death. We don't know the day of the rapture. That's why we live every day and give everything we have to the Lord. And that's why we desire every day to say, Lord, if this is my last day, I want to give my best for you. And I hope that we will finish strong. I want you to see in Genesis chapter 50, verse number one, and I didn't mention this, uh, I mentioned it Wednesday, but I haven't mentioned it yet, but Brother and Mrs. Schnur, we're so glad you're here. This is Brother Caleb's parents from Illinois. They've been dear friends of our family for a long time. And uh, we, know, we know why, uh, keyword here, grandparents come to town, don't we? We know. It's not for the kids, it's for the grandchildren. But, and, you know, and Caleb and Jen, they're okay too. But we're so glad that you're here visiting. And then I mentioned Jared. He'll be here today, and then this is his last day also. I hope you'll uh, let them know you appreciate him being here. And other folks that are visiting with us, we're so thankful that you're here. Hope you have a wonderful day. I hope someone treats you uh, kindly. I hope that someone, um, you know, gives you, you know, the best seat, uh, the best parking spot, you know, whatever, you know, uh, lets you go first in line. And I hope you do feel welcome. I appreciate so much our church family and all you do to make one another feel at home. Verse number one of Genesis 50, it says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. You see, J Joseph has been reunited with his dad. He got some good years with his dad. And now his dad, Jacob, has passed away. His dad, Jacob, has said his goodbyes. In chapter 49, he gave his last words. And I want you to see this morning some lessons from the last days of Joseph. Lord, help us as we look at your word. Help us to uh, get these truths, to apply them. I pray that the word of God would be spoken today with clarity and authority. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, I'm so burdened today that maybe there's someone here or maybe there's someone watching or listening that does not even know for sure if they're saved. I pray today they would get that matter settled before it's too late. Lord, thank you for your goodness and thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house today. We pray you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want you to notice a lesson that we can learn from the life of Joseph at the end. I want you to see his love and relationship with his father. Now, you may be thinking, well, pastor, my father is, has already passed away, or my father is not nearby, or I don't have a real close relationship with your father. And that may be the case. But can I tell you this? There ought to be everything done on our part to make sure that our relationship is right with our parents. And you could say everything is right with our grandparents and everything is right with our children and grandchildren and siblings. You say, but we've been at odds and we've been at disagreement and, and maybe you've tried and maybe you've done all you can to reconcile. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to say, I have done my very best to make sure that I am right with my family. I spoke to our teens a week ago at the teen retreat and I spoke about the relationship with parents. You know, children should obey their parents. That was a good place for parents to say amen because the teens are like, oh, man. But it, it's true. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's God's plan. God knew that children would need 
parents to give them instruction and to guide them and to teach them. And it's amazing to me, the older I get, the smarter my parents are. Isn't that amazing how that works? I'm glad for my parents, but children obey your parents. Children should honor their parents. That's not just obeying in actions, but that is respecting in our attitude. You know, that command to honor our parents, that doesn't expire. My dad is with the Lord. My mom is here today. But I, as, a, as a son, I still want to honor my parents. I still want to respect them. I still want to have a relationship that is good with my parents. And can I tell you, that ought to be your desire. I told our teens we're, we're supposed to obey and honor. We should love our parents. We should communicate with our parents. It doesn't help anybody if the parents won't talk to the teens and the teens won't talk to the parents. God has given you a relationship. God has put you in that place and it should be communication. It shouldn't be, I'm going to my room, I'm slamming the door and I'll show up at mealtime. That's not the way relationships supposed to work with parents and children. But then I talked to the teens and I said, you want to live and you want to have a relationship with your parents that is such that when your parents do pass away, you have no regrets. I spoke last week, last weekend with the Shotwells. I spoke with Jason. I spoke with Lauren. And I was so encouraged to hear how that their, their relationship with their father was good. They loved their dad. Their dad loved them. They did everything they could to honor and please and to, and to respect and to communicate. And can I tell you, that's the way it ought to be. There should not be regrets. There shouldn't be a funeral where you say, I wish I would have gotten things right. I wish I would have said, I'm sorry. I wish I would have apologized. I wish I would have just done what I could to restore a relationship. Now, I understand it takes two. But when I say goodbye to family, when I say goodbye to loved ones, when I say goodbye to friends, I don't want there to be something in my life or my heart that I knew I was supposed to get right and I never did. Joseph weeps and Joseph uh, 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 is grieving and he kisses his father. And Joseph had a relationship with his father that was right. We ought to have relationships with one another that are right, but we also had a have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that's right. I wonder this morning, is there anything between you and the Lord? Is there something between you and your Heavenly Father? If so, today is the day to get it right. Today is the day to confess that sin. Today is the day to restore that relationship with your Heavenly Father who loves you more than you will ever know. Your heavenly father who sent his son to die on a cross so that you could be saved and so you could be adopted into God's family. How is your relationship with your family? How is your relationship with the heavenly father? I told our teens a week ago, I said, please don't cause your parents stress. Don't cause your parents heartache. Don't cause your parents grief. Don't be a burden because your parents are worried about what you're doing and where you're going. Have a relationship that is right. Number one, I think a lesson we learned from Joseph is to have a right relationship with the father. Secondly, I want you to see in verse two, it says that Joseph commanded his servants and the physicians to embalm his father. 
The physicians embalmed Israel, it says in verse 3, and 40 days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days uh, of those which are embalmed and the Egyptians. Notice this. This is interesting. These are not God-fearing people. These are not Christian people. And I know that's a New Testament term. But the Egyptians, they took a certain amount of time. They took 70 days and they set that time aside and said, that is going to be a time of grieving. That is going to be a time of mourning. That is going to be a time of weeping, the passing of someone. And it says that they took 70 days. They mourned for him three score and 10 days. Now, I think we all understand there is no time limit on grieving. Some people may grieve 70 days. Some people may grieve uh, for 200 days. Some people may grieve for years. And, and some people, it may be a few days. Some people grieve before the passing. They know it's coming and they grieve before. Some after the passing, some hold it in and almost don't grieve at all until well after the funeral and after all of that. Everybody's different. But I want to tell you this. Sorrow, weeping is normal. I get worried when people are not sad when a loved one passes away. Now, I understand, I know if a person's saved, they're with the Lord, and we rejoice in that. But can I tell you, there's still a void. There is still an emptiness. And there's nothing wrong with weeping. And Joseph and his family, they take time to weep. Even the Egyptians, they took time to mourn. It's normal. It is fine. The Bible says there is a time to weep. The Bible tells us that weeping, sometimes it will endure for a night. And sometimes you think that that night will never end. But I want to remind us this morning, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I'm glad that God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. I'm thankful for that promise. There should be weeping. There is a time to remember. There is a time to cherish the memories. And don't, don't rob yourself. Don't, don't take that away from yourself when a loved one passes. It's okay to weep. It's a good thing. It's helpful. But there must be weeping. It's normal. It's good. But you don't want to have regrets. Joseph, I don't believe he had regrets. He did what he could to make sure that things were right with his father. And God allowed him to have that. Number three, I want you to notice. It's found in verse number uh, four. Joseph goes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, my dad has passed away. And before he died, he made me promise. He said, Joseph... When I die, I don't want you to bury me in Egypt. I want you to bury me in Canaan. I want you to bury me with my father, Isaac. I want you to bury me with my grandfather, Abraham. Now, I'll tell you this, that was not convenient for Joseph. That was not easy for Joseph to take his father, he had him embalmed so that they could transport that body, so they could go back to Canaan. But here's why J Jacob made that such a priority. Egypt in the Bible was always a picture of the world. And here's what I believe Jacob was saying with that statement. He said, Joseph, I don't want to be identified with Egypt. I don't want to be associated with Egypt. I want to be identified with my father and my grandfather. I want to be identified with the people of God. 
Now, friend, I want to tell you, I think a lesson we can learn from the life of Joseph and from, also from Jacob is it's very important who we choose to identify with. Can I tell you, I choose and I want and I desire to be identified with the people of God. I want to be identified with the church. You say, well, pastor, you know there's a lot of sinners at this church. Well, congratulations, you win the blue ribbon. You just stated the obvious. Yeah, I know that. You know why? Because I'm one of them. And you're probably, you probably are too for pointing that out. We're all sinners. We all come short. We've all made mistakes. We all have things that if we could go back, we would change. But can I tell you, I want to be identified with God's people. I don't want to be identified with the bar. I don't want to be identified uh, with the drugs. And I don't want to be identified with the cussing crowd. And I don't want to be identified with the world's philosophy. And I don't want to be identified with all the, the wickedness and the, the, the vileness of this world. I want to be identified with God's people. I want to be identified with the church. I want to be identified with this book right here. I want to be identified with the church that's not changing every week to keep up with the world. I want to be identified with the church where we still preach the Bible. I want to be identified with the church where we still stand for what is right. I want to be identified with the church where we still believe in prayer meeting and where we still believe in singing and praising God. And I want to be identified with the church where we still believe in soul winning and reaching people with the gospel. I want to be identified with the church, uh, the, 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 the banner switches uh, during the message, where it's souls, where we say we've got to reach people with the gospel. I want to be identified with the church that has a hallway, and I, not every church has a hallway like this, but a church that believes in the Great Commission. That's why we've got those missionary boards. Hope every time you walk down that hallway, you're reminded that our job is not just Roanoke Rapids. Our job is the gospel to the four corners of the globe. I want to be identified with a church that has buses. And not every church can have buses or vans or whatever. And I know we're not running those yet. I'm hoping to run them real soon. But I want to be identified with the church that believes in reaching boys and girls and teenagers and moms and dads and bringing them to church so they can hear the gospel. You say, well, I know why we have a bus ministry. We have a bus ministry so we can bring in all those people so that we can get a lot of money for the church. Huh. Try it out. See how that works. The bus ministry doesn't bring us any money. The bus ministry costs us a lot of money to run the buses and the, the fuel and the insurance and the maintenance and, and the upkeep and all of the, and the vehicles themselves. You say, well, why do we do it? Because what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? You can't put a price tag on a soul. I want to be associated with the church that stands for the truth and stands for right. I want to be associated with a, a church that believes in loving God and serving God and being faithful to God. And we're not trying to change and we're not trying to compromise and we're not trying to keep up with what everybody else is doing. We just want to please the Lord in everything we say and do. It's important who you choose to be identified with. You say, well, pastor, you know, you know, my, my parents or my pastor before or my Sunday school teacher before, or I once had a youth pastor or I once knew a deacon or I knew a choir member and they did whatever. Well, maybe so. 
But that doesn't mean you have to throw this out. Because if you were living to please a person, you had it wrong to begin with. But if you were living to please God, then you'll be okay and you'll choose to be identified with the people of God. I want you to notice quickly, they made the trip back to Canaan. It wasn't just Joseph. It was his brothers. And the Bible says a large group of Egyptians went back. They went back and they, they showed their support for Joseph. It's interesting in verse 11 that when the whole group got there, the whole crowd got there, the Canaanites, they noticed it and they said, wow, look at this. They actually named the place Abel Mizraim, verse 11, and because they saw the grievous mourning, they saw the intense weeping of the Egyptians. And what's amazing is that they noticed the importance of being there when someone goes through tragedy. You know what the Egyptians, they were not family. They were co-workers. They were just acquaintances. But they said, Joseph, we're not letting you go back to Egypt by yourself. We're going with you. We're going to support you. We're going to be there. We want to encourage you. We want to help you. And I want to remind us this morning that as God's people, one of the greatest things you can do for one another is to be there. You don't always know what to say. You don't always know what to do. There have been many times where I've been in a hospital waiting room or I've been in a living room or I've been at a funeral home or I've been in my office or I've been on a phone call and I didn't know what to say. But I just try to be there. I can pray with somebody. I can read scripture. And you know what's amazing is God's people need each other. That's what makes it so important. A church is because we get to be together. We can be there for one another. We can bear one another's burdens. We can carry one another's loads. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. Number four, what can we learn from the last days of Joseph? Be there when people need you. Those Egyptians didn't have to make the trip, but they said, we're making the trip. Joseph, we're going to go. We're going to be there. We're going to help you. It may not be convenient. It may not be easy, but we will be there when you need us. It's interesting to me in this passage that they made the trip back to Canaan. I wonder for Joseph what it was like as he is, he's, he's been over here. We'll use this side as Canaan. And if you're sitting on this side, you ought to be real happy about now that you're on the Canaan side and you're not on the Egypt side. But he'd been over here in Canaan, but remember how he made this trip the last time? He made it in a group. He made it in a caravan, but he was a slave. He had just been sold. He had just been, uh, been, been uh, persecuted by his brothers. And now he's going. He doesn't know where he's going, but God has him go to Egypt and he goes as a prisoner and he gets to Egypt and he's there for all those years. And now he's making the trip back. I wonder what that was like for Joseph. I wonder what that was like going back to his home and saying, wow, I never thought I'd see this place again. I never thought I'd get to come back home but God took a hopeless situation and God turned it around. Can I tell you, you may be in a situation like Joseph. You think my life is out of control. My life is a mess. There's no hope. There's no way that things can get better. You're forgetting one thing. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And God did it for Joseph.
Joseph takes his father's body, takes it back to Canaan, and they bury it there. And we see in verse number 13 that his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before memory. We talked about this a week or two ago, but Abraham bought this. Abraham purchased this and he passed it down to his son and his son passed it down to his son. And now Jacob is passing it down to his sons. This is where Joseph will one day be buried also. But here's the thing I want to challenge you with, a lesson that I believe we can learn, is we all ought to have something that we can pass down to the next generation. And I'm not talking about a house. I'm not talking about a car. I'm not talking about a big bank account. If you have those things to pass down to your children, that's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I hope that turns out. I hope the children handle it without fighting one another. I hope the children don't let that be the thing that gets them out of church, gets them away from God. If you have those things, wonderful. But I'm not talking about material things to pass down to your children so much. I'm talking about spiritual things. You know what your children need? You know what our children need? They need somebody to pass down a godly heritage. They need somebody to pass down a good name. They need somebody to pass down a godly testimony. Maybe you want to pass down a Bible, and I don't mean just a Bible that you buy off the shelf and give to them, but a Bible that you read, a Bible that you mark. And maybe in that Bible, you put the date you got saved or you put the date when God answered a prayer or you, you mark something that God's doing in your life and, and you give that Bible to the next generation. Your children and grandchildren look at this and say, wow, here's a Bible that didn't just sit on the shelf. Here's a Bible that was read and a Bible that was memorized. And here's a Bible that my mama or my daddy, they lived it and they believed it and have something to pass down to your children. And then I want you to notice verse number 14. The Bible says in verse 14 that Joseph returned into Egypt. He and his brethren and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. I want to be very careful how I say this. I certainly don't want to come across rude. I don't want to come across um, uh, insensitive. I don't want to come across as harsh because we all need to weep. We all need time to grieve. We all need time to mourn, and everybody's different. But I want to say this. I believe the next lesson we need to learn from the life of Joseph is you have to get back to living. You can't live your life in depression. You can't have a tragedy. We've all had tragedies, and some worse than others, and some more than others, but you can't have a tragedy and you live the rest of your life dwelling on that tragedy. There must be a time when we get back to living. There must be a time to get back to your family. You say, I've lost a loved one, and I'm sorry, my heart breaks for you, but you've got other loved ones who they want a relationship with you. You've got a, a spouse, you've got children, you've got grandchildren, you've got family, you've got friends, and they need you. You can't live your life in depression. You can't live your life in the past. You must get back to living. When a loved one passes, you've got to get back to work at some point. You've got to get back to your family. I'll say this, you've got to get back to church and that probably ought to be the first place you get back to. 
We must get back to living. And Joseph goes back. Let's see, this is Canaan. He comes to Canaan, he buries his father, and he says, as much as I'd like to stay, and as much as maybe I could reminisce, and as much as I could dwell on this, he said, I've got to get back to Egypt because God was not done with Joseph. And friend, God's not done with you either. You say, how do you know? Well, you got that pulse? Still breathing? God's not done with you. If God was done with you, if God was done with me, he'd have taken us home. But God has left us here because he's got a job for us to do. Number six, you got to get back to living. And then number seven, we won't, we won't get too far into this, but I want you to see this thought, and I'm going to leave you with this thought. After Jacob was dead, Joseph's brothers, yes, they were sad, but they weren't just sad, they were terrified. Because they thought revenge is coming now. You know how it works. A mother or a father, even when the children are adults, a mother or a father can be the peacemaker. The mother or the father can keep people from strangling each other, you know, and keep the family reunions good and everybody's going to get along. If for no other reason, for the sake of mom and dad, you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But dad's gone now. And the brothers are thinking, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Joseph's been waiting for this day. Now is his opportunity to get us back. And so they send a messenger to Joseph. This is great. This is like when you don't want to actually talk to somebody about something. You just send them a little text, you know, kind of like, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, whatever. I just want to let you know that I wrecked your uh, brother, uh, Dan, I just wrecked your brand new Corvette. Just want to send you a text and let you know about that. Um, inside joke from Sunday school. But they sent messengers and they said, in case you didn't remember, Joseph, dad said, you're supposed to forgive us. So do it, <laughs> forgive us. You know what's amazing? Joseph had already done it. And we'll look next week at how Joseph forgave his brothers. Remember what they did to him? Remember how they sold him as a slave? They wanted to kill him. They hated him. They told his dad, they told their dad that a wild beast had got him and they thought he was gone. They thought they'd never see him again. And now he's in command of Egypt and he could do anything he wanted to them. But he said, I'll forgive you. And I want to remind us this morning that forgiveness is not so much for the person that wronged you as much as it's for you. Because you can live your whole life bitter and angry and mad and upset at what somebody else did to you, or you can say, I'm going to forgive them. Now, I'm not talking about somebody, you know, comes to you and comes to your house and holds a gun to your head and, and robs you at gunpoint, and you say, I'm just going to forgive them. Uh, no, I would call the police. I would have them arrested. I would have them prosecuted. And you could forgive them after that, but you don't want them doing that to somebody else. I'm not talking about we ignore sin. I'm not talking about that. We don't report crimes. But here's what I'm talking about. Somebody said something to you. Somebody did something to you. 
and you've never forgiven them. You say, oh, Pastor, they don't deserve forgiveness. Yeah, you're right. And neither did we. When Jesus hung on that cross, he looked out at those who had crucified him. You say, oh, it wasn't me. Well, it was our sin that put him on that cross. It was our sin that he died for. He looked out that day and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I want to tell you this morning that until you and I learn to forgive, we are never going to be blessed by God. We're never going to have peace. We're never going to have relationships that are right with others if we can't learn to deal with and forgive those who have wronged us. We'll talk more about this next week. But I wonder, when I first said to forgive, I wonder who was the first person that came to mind? What was the first situation that God brought to your attention? You say, Pastor, they haven't asked me to forgive them. Maybe not. I'd beat them to the punch. And I'd forgive them anyway. Because again, it's not so much for their sake as it's for your sake that you can have the peace of God in your life by saying, I'm willing to forgive. I'm not going to live in the past. I want to live in the present and I want to live for the future with the blessing of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.